you have an inquisitive mind? Where do you go for answers? Imagine if the natural world held an answer to every question. Welcome to the Flowerhood Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Frankfurt. I'm on an orchard growing avocados and there's something going on. The more time I spend in nature, the more I learn about myself. Is it possible that until we connect with nature, we never truly flourish in our relationships, community, businesses or health? Oh boy, this is no ordinary gardening podcast. Join me at my kitchen table for wide and varied conversations with old and new friends from around the world. I'll be asking questions on how they connect with nature, what the research shows us, and look for ways we can incorporate these learnings into our lives. Let's get started. Morena, good morning, afternoon, evening to my listeners of the Flowerhood podcast. Thanks for joining me. And yes, as I always mention in my intro, this is the place that I explore our relationship with nature. And whether it's kind of like the latest science or an observation I've made during the week working on my avocado orchard or something that I've read or experienced that has resonated with me strongly and I just would feel compelled to share it. Because for me, getting in touch with nature, observing it, being in it, all leads to a more healthy and rounded life. So today I get to share with you a very special person and their story around nature. We'll be looking at how plants showed up in their life and the influence that it had on their business. So my guest today is Lisa Goody. Lisa's based in the Bay of Plenty, New Zealand, and she's trained as an esthetician, and she spent the last 20 years working as a skin therapist. She's really like on the front line of things, so to speak, because she's there close up and personal with people's skin observing the effects of the environment and also the consequences of applying basically a raft of chemicals found in most commercial skincare products. So what do you do when you start realizing that what you apply or administer to your clients conflicts with your fundamental principles? What happens when you want the best results for your clients, but the products you're using compromise what you know to be true. So for Lisa, this meant not just seeking alternatives, but taking a brave, brave leap and going out and developing her own active plant-based organic natural skin products. So I'm super excited about talking to Lisa today. As though I look after my gut health, my fitness, I explore mindfulness, I eat predominantly plant-based foods, I have to put up my hand and admit I neglect the largest organ of my body, my skin. So this is time for me to learn and hopefully you'll learn some great things too. It's my greatest pleasure to welcome Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. I've just been really looking forward to this. And I know that, you know, we tried to touch base last year and then things got really hectic around Christmas. So I'm so pleased that you came back because, um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in desperate need of some of your knowledge. So one of the right. things I wanted to <laughs> ask you about is you're, you're in the Bay of Plenty, which is actually the same area that I'm in. Have you always lived there? Is, is this 
your original place? Um, it is my home. I was born in the Waikato and we moved here when I was really young. So this has been home for me for just over 40 years now. Wow. And, and ha- yeah. you have a family? I do. I have a wonderful husband and four beautiful children. And we live here in the Minden, Puna. And I've got my sister here, one of my sisters, and my mum and my dad and my grandmother. And so I've got all of my extended family around me as well. So I'm really so lucky to have oh, that, that is all, of, so all of them in my life, which is really neat. Nephews and niece, and it's very lucky, yeah. That's great. And to, That's and to really be in this beautiful place too. It's good that you have children because I actually have some questions about, I want to get on a little bit later on, about skincare and especially for mm-hmm. like teens and things. So we'll touch on that a bit later. But first, right. look, what I wanted to ask is you worked as a skin therapist for 20 years and I'd love to know what you observed during that time. You know, what, what were the biggest things that showed up? in your clients? As in the biggest concerns, the reason people came to me? It's really quite broad spectrum, I guess, in that I do see a real range of people like you just spoke about before, teenagers and their skin problems with acne that starts coming through from often a really young age. So sometimes I see children from the age of 10, parents bringing them to me to just to help correct breakouts that are starting or blackheads that are forming or some real problem cystic acne happening. So that's a really big part of my work and always has been. Skin has never changed in the time that um, I've been doing it. It's Acne's always been a problem. It's always been a teenage problem. But then also for women predominantly, but certainly more and more men, concerned about ageing. As they come into their 30s and the skin has, you know, makes some really big changes. It stops producing the oil and you start to get dehydration and dry skin happening. And then, of course, the signs of aging with lines happening. It's something that you can't cover up. Your skin is out there for the world to see. And it doesn't make us feel good when it's not looking good. It's a measure of health, you know, when your skin looks healthy and, and it's glowing and it's radiant. It just sort of portrays a healthier you. So even if people haven't got huge issues with their skin, it's just can be things that they're starting to see things changing, worried about aging coming, worried about lines starting to happen. And pigmentation, that's another really big one. You know, mm-hmm. sunspots and just changes in the in the overall colour and and texture of the skin, capillary damage, red veins on the nose, across the cheeks, things like that just because it is so visible and you can't hide from you can't hide any of that from the world really yeah yeah and in New Zealand especially you know we have we have such a big issue with sun sun damage you know we're the second absolutely second largest country of of skin melanomas and so yeah which is scary yeah and we haven't really been aware before now you know that damage that's come through in in our age group that because we didn't probably cover up like they're doing now, that real sun smart messages coming through now and helping to prevent our young ones from damaging the skin is mm. great, but we didn't probably have that quite so much. So no, yeah, I mean, there is I, a lot of yeah. <laughs> My confession would be, I do remember with my sisters lying on the grass with lemon juice on our hair to make it go blonde and yep. then bits of tin foil kind of around our head. 
and yeah. <laughs> and baby oil. Baby oil. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bathing your body in baby oil and the and the tinfoil to attract the sun to make it burn even more. Frying yes, I remember those days. Frying it's ourselves. scary, isn't it? And the mm-hmm. fact that the, you used to get Hawaiian Tropic Factor Eight, so it yeah. was almost really just like having frying an oil with with a bit of a coconut smell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty frightening, really. <laughs> It is. And, you know, I find even just putting on factor 50 now, it's still not enough. I still get, I still get coloured underneath. And oh, yeah. I mean, it's so important to stay in the shade in those, um, you know, those high sun areas of the day, you know, right in the peak of the mm-hmm. day to get out of the shade completely. Your hat and your sunscreen just reapply, reapply, reapply. Mm. So one thing you said, you know, about this sort of the aging and the lines and also that glow. So I'd love to touch on that. I mean, aging is a natural process. Do you think, though, we are aging faster than we should? I do think we are. You know, a huge part of aging is free radical damage. So it's when the cell loses its structure because the atoms have dropped away and you need antioxidants to rebalance those to you know repair that free radical damage but it's the free radical damage is coming from the environmental pollutants that we're constantly exposed to it's the processed foods that we are eating it's it's really changed so much from how things used to be when we ate more real unprocessed foods Mm. and lived in a less polluted world so the damage that we're constantly being exposed to is breaking us down far quicker than it ever has Mm, yeah definitely yeah and that's that's scary that that means you know that we have to intervene this isn't just a vanity thing that we're after it's not you know look I rock my wrinkles I love my wrinkles (laughs) and I know the ones that are there from life experience, but I also exactly. know the ones that are there from damage. So what worries yeah. me is the fact that for many years I have probably chosen products which I don't, I haven't ever deciphered what is actually in them. So that's kind of an interesting thing because I wouldn't ingest certain chemicals yet I would put them on my skin Mm. so can you talk a bit about the kind of commercial products that have been used and then what happened when you sort of decided that kind of enough was enough and you wanted to go down a different way well I guess what was traditionally available was always a bit of a chemical cocktail you know products were all sorts of things mished and mashed together and I basically when I when I came into the industry I I saw that skincare worked and using things on your skin for because like you say your skin ingests what you put on it things that you put on that were being absorbed into the skin did change the cell structure and it changed the functioning of those cells so it changed the appearance and um, the functioning of that skin but what was concerning me was the amount of chemicals that were in these products that are also going into the skin. Now, if you wouldn't eat it, why would you put it on for it to be absorbed that way? It's still got to go through the whole process of coming through. Your body's got to detoxify it. It's got to go through your lymph system, your, you know, work its way through your liver and your kidneys, your processes to get rid of toxins. So 
it just seems like a really dangerous thing to be doing. So it, it concerned me for many, many years that there was not options that were completely safe available. And it was one day that I read some research that had been put out on breast cancer and they had found whole paraben molecules in this breast cancer tissue. And the skincare range that I was using at the time contained parabens as a preservative system. And that was my moment where I went, I am not prepared to do this to my clients. I'm responsible for their well-being and what they're putting on their skin. And I've read this research and I will I can't do this anymore. I'm so I just can't be say that, that again. For that. So it was whole paraben whole paraben molecules, molecules that were found in breast cancer tissue. That's something that would not normally be found in our no is that no is a paraben molecule is that a man parabens yes it is and it's one of or was one of the most common preservatives used in skin care hair care body care and now i think you'll probably see and most people would would have heard it before most products on the shelf now will have the big highlighted paraben free mm. Mm. contains no parabens you know like there is there's been a really big observation out there that goes oh these could be quite dangerous and so there's been a really big turnaround on that which is amazing that's great (laughs) that there's been that recognition how interesting Um, though that they're not completely banned well no i mean sometimes they take a bit of time i think to come through it's like the micro beads that were used for exfoliation and they're just plastic they're plastic balls and they were getting into our waterways and killing the fish. And it took years, even after all of that research was out, before it was actually banned, which fortunately it is now. But, yeah, I'd like to see that the paraben ban will come in, you know, broadly. That would be fantastic. But so tell me, why would, why would a company be, you're saying, you know, it's the most commonly used preservative. Why yep. would a company keep on using something that was damaging to us. This is like, and I, I'm putting you on the spot here because I realise. Um, <laughs> what what does it come down to? Is there a lack of ethics? Is there a refusal to believe the information that they've been given? Is there a cost factor? I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the reason is. Could be a combination of all three. It's certainly not a lack of alternatives because there are a great range of, you know, Eco Search Cosmos approved, Soil Association approved preservatives out there now. Mm. Probably not so much when I first started looking at this because this was around oh, at least 10 years ago when I, I made this change. So, but now there is certainly a lot, a lot more readily available. So, I wouldn't think that there was a lot of companies still using them, but if there is, possibly just a combination of those those three things. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? So I would like to think that ethics would be right at the top, that you would just go, if there was any any chance of it being dangerous, let's not use it. <laughs> yeah, you would really hope that. So I think, you know, as yeah. a consumer we also have a responsibility to demand that. To Absolutely. Demand that we, you know, we can't always just like sit on our backsides and wait for governments to make a decision on things. We yeah. are the people. We, we have yeah. a voice. We need to kind of express that voice. So, um, yeah, 
and that's yeah. where you can, I guess, in, in, in what you buy, you know, is that you do research it. You do look into what is it that I am actually supporting here? What, what is it that I am actually putting on my skin? Take that responsibility, I guess, for yourself to say, I'm not going to support something that isn't 100%. I'm not going to support something that isn't safe and, and making that stand for it and for our own well-being. Mm. Yeah, and for generations ahead as well. Absolutely, yeah. Like, you know, if you, you wouldn't put it on your baby, like why put it on you? <laughs> so. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I think we've really become so much more aware of that now. There's People do have that understanding and consumers, absolutely. And in, in my 25 years, I have seen from people the questioning. They want to know what is in it. Where did it come from? Not only is it, um, you know, is it completely natural? Is it safe? Is it ethical? Is it sustainable? People are asking all those really awesome questions. It's so mm. good because that will weed out the rubbish, really. Yeah. Hey, well, let's, in that case, let's talk about what is natural. Yeah. Well, products are called natural or not natural. So what is natural? What What is natural? Well, what's quite interesting is... <laughs> I've got a friend who is in the industry who has told me that it is only 24% natural ingredients in a product before you can put natural on it. So what about the rest of it? <laughs> That's pretty frightening. <laughs> it's, yeah, there is a lot out there claiming to be natural because they contain natural ingredients oh or they are called organic because they contain organic ingredients. So that's another thing to just be a little bit careful, a little bit aware of. My products, for example, 100% natural, but I don't call them 100% organic because not every ingredient is a certified organic ingredient. But yeah, it's a real broad labeling, which is a bit frightening too. There's not a lot of governing really over compliance with, mm. with the skincare here in New Zealand. Mm. So... So what is natural? Natural is just, I guess, <laughs> something that occurs naturally. For example, my, you know, my products are made of oils of real plants. They're made of extracts or essences or essential oils of real plants and real flowers. They're a byproduct of that actual being. They haven't been chemically made in a lab. Yeah, they come from naturally occurring sources. Mm. So to exfoliate the skin, I use a glycolic acid, which comes from the sugar cane. And so it's an acid, which sounds a bit like, oh, that sounds a bit chemically, but it's an, a naturally occurring acid from a, from a sugar cane plant. Because everything natural is made up of chemicals. To, you know, well, to degree, yes. Like a, yes, it is. That's God, exactly now right. Now I'm going to get myself into a tricky thing here because actually I'm so not a scientist and someone's going to go. No, but I, I totally understand what you're saying is that there is a chemical composition to even natural things. So as a, as a uh, way of explaining it, I guess it is. If, it's if it comes from a natural source and it's not been made in a lab or mm. altered to, to become to become something different. I just I did listen earlier on to your it close to the source. That's the thing. Close to the source. Like, Absolutely. It, yeah. Close to the source. Which I don't know what you're about to say. But it wasn't let me guess. Were you about to say you listened to my one about plant-based food? Yes, I did. 
Because that's what just came into my head then was was Karen talking about, um, so everyone, this was another podcast I've done uh, where I interviewed Karen Sawyer, who is a plant-based food coach. And she was explaining the difference between processed food and natural raw ingredients. So it was really interesting. It's like, when does an orange not become an orange? Yeah. (laughs) Quite a funny conversation about it. But to be honest, I didn't really know the difference, like what the difference was between a a whole food, a whole plant-based food and um, something which had the chemicals altered on it, in it, to create a kind of like a third party. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Stripped out of it. So I love that. So tell me, when was the moment that you decided that the thing to do would be to go and create your own products? Because that's so exciting. It was exciting. I guess what happened was when that when that moment came and I went, right, I'm not using this product anymore. I've always chosen to work with natural skincare and just through my, that's just my upbringing. I was raised in a very natural family and, you know, on whole foods and, and natural health. My mother is a homeopath and so natural medicines were a big part of our life. So that natural skincare was always my area of interest. And it was within that natural skincare that I was using that had the parabens. So when I said, right, that's it. I'm on the path to find another range of skincare that is completely natural, that doesn't contain um, any of these nasties. And I tried lots that had come onto the market because it had become a bit of a thing. Oh, natural skincare, everybody started getting a little bit excited about and starting to do. But a lot of them were, well, all of them that I found were kind of, they were across the counter. They were, uh, you know, pharmacy or health store or those sorts of products that were not giving me the potency that I needed in the salon. So when people were coming to me for, you know, professional advice, professional help to remedy skin conditions such as acne or pigmentation or aging skin, they come wanting results. I've always used a therapeutic grade, which means a product that has got much higher levels of active ingredients in it. And I wasn't getting that from the natural products that were available on the market. So they didn't contain any nasties but they didn't have enough activity to get any results. So um, I was sort of stuck between two places, one where I could get the activity and achieve the results for the clients or refusing to buy into that chemical preservative system and artificial fragrances and things and go down that natural path and not get any results, neither of which was going to work for me. So I just decided I knew what did work. I knew the ingredients that worked. I knew the combinations that worked. I knew that I needed to work with vitamin C and hyaluronic acid to help aging skin. I knew that I needed to work with, you know, glycolic acid for buffering and helping with pigmentation. And I knew what I wanted. And so I thought, well, why not go out there and find somebody that can put all that together without any chemical compromise to give me exactly what I need to tick every box for every skin that I see in my salon and both boxes. So I did. I found a formulator and we did exactly that. That is just, that's great. 
So I want to just pick up on something you said there because I was like, oh, my ears. <laughs> okay. So the reason we go to see a esthetician is because they're going to basically give us a potency, a product that is generally unavailable on the commercial shelves of supermarkets, yeah. yep. uh, chem, chemists, pharmacies, things like that. Yep. So is the idea that, because now I'm knowing you've got me thinking, it's like, well, is that an ongoing thing we should be doing? Or is there a point that you then revert back to the less potent products? The problem with the less potent products is, for example, if you were to get a nice natural product from, let's say, the pharmacy, and you say, oh, that sounds nice, and you can look at the back and you can read the ingredients and you can say, I recognise all of those things in there. <laughs> That's a really good start. <laughs> because yeah. Sometimes you can read those labels, you can't even understand what any of that could possibly be. They do use technical names, but, you know, a lot of it is unidentifiable. So you find a nice natural product and you go, that sounds really lovely. I can, I can recognise all of that. The first ingredient might be almond oil, sweet almond oil. And you think, oh, yum, that's nice. I know what sweet almond oil is. That sounds lovely. That means that that ingredient is in its highest form in that product. So you probably, you know, you might have 70% of the product is made up of sweet almond oil. The problem is sweet almond oil is its molecular size is too big, so it doesn't penetrate the skin. So it's not going to do anything for your skin because it can't go in, it can't rehydrate the cells, it can't penetrate down to your layers of epidermis to do anything. It's going to sit on the surface. So 70% of that product is useless other than superficial. And the reason that it's in there in bulk is because it's cheap. It's really affordable to put that product, product in there. So that difference that I was saying before about when you're going for therapeutic grade products, you're looking at a beauty therapist or a dermatologist or somebody that's got those levels of activity is ideally you want every ingredient that's in that product to actually be something that can penetrate the skin for a start, but that does something that actually has a potency to it to achieve whatever result it is that you're trying to achieve. Oh my gosh, so, that, that makes so much sense to me. It does, doesn't it? Exactly. And, it's, and I'm and finding so, it a little bit shocking. Yeah. Because what it means is, it means we're buying stuff, we're sold a story, we're marketed to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, we're only the talking half a story, half a story always. Yeah, yeah. It's very competitive. The beauty industry is very competitive and it's about selling the dream and and often it is about, you want natural? Great, we'll give you natural. Now, we can put it out in this really good, nice, cheap form. We'll, we'll throw in 70% of this almond oil that's not going to penetrate in, but it gives us a good bulk base. And then we'll throw a bit of this and a bit of this and, oh gosh, sometimes they'll have a massive big thing on the front of their bottle that says, you know, with aloe vera oil and you go, oh, that'll be lovely and cooling and soothing. How much aloe vera is in it? Two percent. Well, it's not really going to do a lot for you. So it's often a game. It is often a marketing game and selling the consumer what they want. Mm. And the biggest, the biggest thing that I can tell you about that is foaming cleansers for young people. 
So you get young teenagers and they start to get oil and they think, oh, I'm getting oily, it's giving me acne. So there's lots of big businesses out there that will just market these cleansers to those skins, foaming cleanser, let's get in there and strip all that oil away, Mm -mm, yummy, clear it off. Oh, isn't that squeaky clean? Yes, it is squeaky clean, you've solved my problem. But actually from from a skin therapist, that's the worst thing that you can do is strip away that oil because now the skin's dehydrated and a message goes back to the brain that says, "Uh uh-oh, dehydrated, need more oil. So you produce more oil, but the surface is so dry and tight that that oil can't get through to nourish your skin, so you get a buildup of blackheads and pustules. (laughs) And those people haven't sold you the foaming cleanser because they know that that foaming cleanser is really good for your skin. They've sold it to you because you're a teenager and you've gone, I hate my oil. And they've gone, great, well, I'll sell you something for that. Mm. So I find it so incredibly frustrating as somebody that has trained and has that knowledge to see such marketing with no truth or knowledge behind it and the damage that it does. It's is, is just terrible. Yeah. It's cruel because it that's the sort of thing that can just affect kids for life. Oh, that, oh, absolutely, absolutely. It is It is a really, really self-esteem and self-confidence can just be smashed to pieces with bad skin. And, you know, I'd love to get out into contact and, and help as many teenagers as I can to get real information that can help them mm. before they get tapped into with that sort of false marketing and start destroying it to a point that it takes so much work to come back. Mm. I've got to tell you a funny story. So I, I just finished recently reading Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. And yep. um, it's sort of an autobiography. It's so well written. It's it's just such a fantastic book and I really recommend it to anyone. There's this scene that he talks about as a, teenager where he he has acne and his mother is a salesperson for mink oil oh okay (laughs) and so they encourage him to put this mink oil which is actually meant for like much older women on (laughs) on his face and then he starts getting more and more acne. And oh, no. it's very funny, and I will not do it justice, but I had to just tell you this. He describes oh, must read it. he gets more and more kind of acne coming. And then yep. the saleswoman and his mother are both going, oh, it's pulling out the impurities, Matthew. <laughs> pulling out the impurities. That's what it's meant to do. And it gets worse and worse. And then one day off his own back, he actually goes to his doctor and the doctor's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? You are so close to that just being irreversible damage in your life. Mm. <laughs> this bloody, yeah. bloody mink oil. And it made oh. me think, oh, my God, it's probably like you were saying about the almond oil. It probably doesn't go into the skin at all. It probably yeah. on the surface. It's probably just like a petroleum oil that just has, has put a um, liquid glad wrap across his skin and stopped anything from coming out. And it's just sitting <laughs> under there festering. Poor boy. 
Oh dear. I love Matthew McConaughey. I love Matthew McConaughey and I just love that book, Greenlight. I just thought it was the it was the funniest book I've I've read in the last year. Oh, I must read it. I do love him too. Yeah. Yeah, he's such an interesting guy. And there's this sorry to hop off the topic for a minute, but there's this one part where he he just had all these romantic leads in films and yeah. he was getting paid really, really well. He walked away from Hollywood. He he told his wife and he said, Do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna walk away. And so then what happened is he just kept on getting more and more scripts and higher and higher offers to yeah. more and more romantic comedies, but he stuck it out. And eventually that kind of changed his career totally. He came back in and he started doing those more serious roles and Oh my god, he's done some pretty amazing movies. But anyway, that was besides besides Taste it your hair. <laughs> I was like, oh, now I understand. This is this is just such an eye-opener for me, Lisa, hearing this about product. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like, I mean, like sweet almonds oil is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's great like as a massage medium or something yeah. like that, you know, but as in to treat the skin and to put those good oils into your skin. Because as we age, you know, we stop making those oils. Mm. You need more oils like what we produce, you know, like jojoba oil and beautiful fine oils that have you know, resemble the oils that we would naturally be making, not these large oils that are designed to, well, they're not designed to, but are used to sit on the surface of the skin. Hmm. So what would you say the biggest ages are? I think probably bad diet would be the biggest because that's something that if somebody's not eating well, they do it all the time. They eat badly all the time. They tend to live a highly processed um, diet life. So that's breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks in between and and not getting that goodness of anything fresh and, and living mm. in their body. Everything's dead that, that goes in. So that would be a huge one, I think. Not protecting against the sun. I mean, that's got to be massive, particularly here, of course, where this, you know, it is so damaging. I guess where you're living, if you're in the city, you're around more pollutants. Definitely with all those, um, you know, what's coming out of the car exhausts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those sorts of things, as I say, used to be when I first started out smoking, but I don't think anybody does that anymore, do they? Yeah, those, I would say diet and environment are the biggies. Mm. They are, they're huge. Mm. One thing I noticed was because I I used to have a real sugar addiction. Is I think it made me really dehydrated. Yep, and my yep. skin was very dehydrated. So I think that's yeah, the thing is you know like our body is made up of so much water. What was it like seventy percent water? So they say you know we should be consuming foods that are rich in water. Absolutely, and yeah. that's not foods that are brown coloured. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Colour. Yeah. Lots, lots of fresh, lots of fresh whole foods, real foods. Is, mm. it's, it has to be a part, a real regular part of your everyday eating to give yourself that, that good health. But, you know, I mean, obviously for me, skin health, that's, that's where it comes from internally. You've got to have that. Your water intake has to be good. You know, you've got to have your couple of liters a day. Caffeine, 
And I say, try and limit it to one really good cup a day. And the rest of the time, have your herbal teas and uh, zhuzh up your water with slices of lemon and cucumber or whatever else it takes to drink it. But, you know, you've got to get those levels of, of hydration internally as well. It's not just all about what you're putting on your skin. Mm. You've got to eat well, hydrate well internally as well as what we can do externally. So tell me a bit about the plants. So this is fascinating for me. Are you sourcing plants uh, from all around the world or, you know, how, how are you doing that? I do use a lot from New Zealand. You can't obviously get everything that I want from here. There are things that have to come um, externally. But wherever possible, I try to use plants from our own country from as close by as possible, from a sustainable point of view, obviously, mm. if I can keep that carbon footprint of how far it's come from down to do to do my bit, that's really important to me. But also, I feel like on a real vibrational level of what, what you're using with plants, you know, plants are real and they have a vibration. And the closer that they are to your natural environment, I just believe that they're more beneficial to you if they've come from within your world. I, I guess in the way that I explain that is that I've tried and I've had a lot of success with things like bark flower remedies over the years. And I know a lot of those come from England. That's where it originated. But um, here in New Zealand, we've got a new first light essence, which is actually made from plants in New Zealand. And they seem to sort of resonate a little bit more because they come from that, that, they're within your world and within your space. And I think that certainly helps them to have a, I don't know, a better vibrational level with you, a better affiliation. I, I love that message. I mean, that that would make me feel that, you know, if I was in in parts of the States, I'd be looking at plants that grow natively, naturally in in the environment that I'm in. Yeah, really, that's really interesting. Because when you think about, you know, when you have a healthy person who's on a really healthy diet, we do eat different things in different countries. Mm. And we can be healthy within that environment that we're in. But it doesn't necessarily translate when you take it away from that country and put it into another person's diet from another country. Yeah, not not always. I mean, I know there's certainly things that I use from other places that work well, but just as a sort of a general rule of thumb, that's that's kind of where I start seeking what is around me to use. Mm. Um, I mean, I love avocado oil. Avocado oil loves skin. Skin loves avocado oil. It's just got so Ooh. many vitamins. <laughs> it's beautiful. So that to me, you know, we grow so many avocados here. It's got all these amazing, you know, obviously really nourishing, vitamin-rich properties. Mm. It's got a great molecular size. It penetrates in, it rehydrates. Awesome. So I love it. I use it in a lot of my products. So I source that locally here in Tauranga. It comes from down at, down at Grove Avocado. So it's not traveling far. It's from, from orchards around here. It's, you know. It's so great. It, Wherever possible, I try and keep it local. And then I do look outside things like I do a beautiful healing balm for eczema and psoriasis. And what I have found with that is the tamanu seed oil is 
magic for that. We don't grow that here. It's a tr- it's in the tropics, Pacific Island tree. And so that comes from Pacific Islands. Coconut. Tamanu, did you say? Tamanu seed. Tamanu seed. Spell that. Beautiful out. oil. T-A-M-A-N-U. I've got the most fabulous properties. Really great. Sorry, say that again, Lisa. I just missed that. The Tamanu seed. Yeah. Fantastic healing. So I use that for, I do an eczema and psoriasis cream and um, dermatitis. It's, in fact, you can use it for anything. It's It's our whole family's healing balm, you know, for every cut scratch. Everything else. Great. It's beautiful. Things like that that don't, that don't grow here obviously I have to go a little bit further afield from but mm. yeah and then you told me before we started recording that you you use um, manuka honey as well so I do I was yeah very yeah. interested about that and I have actually mentioned the manuka plant on a previous podcast where I was talking about um actually it was on on smell how that changes our body by what we smell mm-hmm. and, and take in things but also about the therapeutic properties of of manuka and looking for those umf factors the high yeah factor. yeah yeah so i always use the umf 10 plus and again that's a, a local product that comes from um, bnz and kitty kitty and i i just love it that it's wound healing properties phenomenal so i use it within my creams because for surface structure it's great so any little scars healing up any old spots just that refining of the surface it's it's wound healing abilities is just incredible I remember my son did the traditional pull the tablecloth cup of tea over his arm when he was just about 18 months old and he doesn't even have a scar not couldn't even pick tiniest piece of skin on his arm that has got mark and it was just dressed in Manuka, UMF, the three weeks, and there's not a trace. It's uh, it's magical stuff. So, yeah, I do. I, I think it's a really potent ingredient, that Manuka. Mm. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, my gosh. Well, we've covered, we've covered loads of things and, and things I really yeah. wanted to talk about and things that, oh, my gosh, you have got me thinking now and – I understand now why we need to really think about what we're putting on our skin mm. and also the, that potency level. That's not something I've actually ever considered. Uh, yeah. But it makes complete sense to me. Yeah, it does. I it mean, does. It's just, oh, my gosh. I mean, how how nutty is that? You know, isn't weird when you get to, like, 53 and then you suddenly you learn something that probably most people learned in their early 20s. Oh, actually, speaking well, of age, what age do you think boys and girls should start using product on their skin? Ideally, if you can get them into it before they start coming into skin problems, so traditionally what happens is um, as they start, hormones start to change, their skin starts to change, they'll start to produce more oil. So if at that point they're using products that is keeping their skin balanced, then they shouldn't have problems. They should be able to, you know, they're keeping it clean. They're not stripping it. So you're not getting any bacterial infection, but you're not dehydrating it. So by cleansing it correctly and then treating it with a really light moisture, you're keeping the cells hydrated so that they're not overproducing oil. 
but you're not clogging their pores or making their skin too heavy or oily like you would with the moisturizer that you or I would use. So I really like balancing cream. The oil can come out flow freely out through their pores and then it does it does its trick. It comes out, it goes, I've, I've got enough. The brain switches off. It doesn't produce more oil and it keeps it balanced. So um, getting started early on is, is ideal rather than reversing um, problems. So somewhere around that um, 11, 12, 13 mark, a lot of them are starting. My girls have started at 10 just because they wanted to do what mum was doing. Yeah. So I say go for it because if they're ready, then they're going to they're gonna do it if they're choosing to do it, you know. Other people, often I'll start them just off on one thing, just get them to just use a cleanser and that's it. And then when they're in the habit of that, then you can add in a, a cream later. But if they're asking, go for it because that's the, the best time to form a habit is when they instigate it. They're inquiring, they're ready. So, And it's not going to do them any harm because it's not full of nasties. It's all you know, beautiful plants and things that you would quite happily um, you know, put into your, your mouth, although it's not, they're not really designed for eating, but they're safe. And so no damage done. So, yeah, well, as soon as they're ready around that age, absolutely get them into some good routines. And before they get bombarded with those messages too from the mass marketing, social media, everywhere else that they're getting bombarded with, gosh, the things that my teenage girls come out with. Mum, it's like I just heard on social media, did you know if you did this to your skin? I think, oh, my goodness me. You know, like the information that they're getting fed oh, can be really, it's- really bad news. It's frightening, isn't it? It's yeah. Frightening. I mean, the information we're all getting fed as well. Yes, so that's right. Yeah. I will make a yeah. concerted effort in 2021 to actually start paying far better attention to what I put on my skin. Great, great move. Yeah. My listeners will as well. After having, <laughs> Where can we find more about you? How can people reach you? What's the best place to contact you, Lisa, if people have questions, if they have concerns, if they want to buy product? Yeah. I've got a website and that's just www.lisagoodeve.co.nz. And on there, I have quite a bit of information just about different, different um, skincare regimes. I've got a little flow chart that can tell you what would be right for you and how to use it. A couple of little blogs. So there's a bit of information on there that might be of interest. There's also ways to contact me on there. There's an email form, an 0800 number. I'm also on Facebook as Lisa Goodeve Natural Skincare and on Instagram as Lisa Goodeve Skincare. So any of those places really, and you know, I can be messaged on all of those mediums. And yeah, I just love to talk to people. I love to help people with their own skin concerns. What exactly for me, help them on their journey just to get their skin back on track. So yeah, I love to hear from people. Always, always love to That's great. Help and get you it just right. You have a stockist over in Denmark, I think. So there's probably um, access for people in Europe to actually get product as well, which is fantastic. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. for others in the States and places, best thing is just to reach out to you. and Absolutely. Just come direct to me and, you know, we can find the best pathways that so way. So the actual line of products is called Lisa Goodeve? It is. Yep. It's just called Lisa Goodeve Natural Skin Care. Fantastic. Lisa, yeah. is there anything else you would like to just share with our, 
our listeners or or is there any sort of thing that you know you've really felt that something about plants that I mean I have to say I'm really thinking all the time about what you're saying about that idea that you resonate to the energy from the plants with within your your natural environment within uh, that's really interesting I feel that I, I think yeah. we should be buying from local sourced absolutely absolutely and also yeah I guess there's that's what it comes down to is with because there's probably been quite a bit of natural um, skincare on the market for the last 10 years I have often come up against people saying to me oh I've tried natural before it doesn't work and I totally get why because we talked about that earlier but for me I really want to get across the message of the the natural skincare is about potency because plants are potent. They have got the most incredible, and I say it again, potency to them, the healing powers and, you know, that have been used for centuries. People have used plants for healing and, and treating. It's about putting that magical potency into your body by your skin to achieve great skin results as opposed to something non-living or I you know I always imagine these chemical cocktails much like a hideously processed diet Mm. dead food versus living food you know and that's kind of really what it's about it's about a a plate of beautiful raw salad versus a pie (laughs) your skincare you want that it's so kiwi everyone we love our pies (laughs) in New Zealand a good poi. We call it a poi. Yeah, a fresh moon's poi. <laughs> so it's about that, that energy. You're putting that that energy into your skin. So, yeah. That's, that's really beautiful. I love that. I Actually, I think that's a lovely place to finish. Potency and professionalism. Yeah, yeah. So somebody who can give the advice to you to, to come from an educated place as opposed to a being marketed to place. Yeah. So I guess that's how it all came about. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Um, It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. My heartfelt thanks for listening all the way to the end of this Flowerhood podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to the show, like and review it on your favourite player. Be part of the greater Flowerhood community. Join the Flowerhood Facebook group and find show notes and information at flowerhood.com. I can't wait to share the next episode. Until then, hey, why not stop and smell the roses?